self-pity doesn't want you to magnify God. Self-pity wants you to magnify your problems. That's the goal. That's the goal of self-pity. Don't magnify God. Don't forget everything that God has done for you. Yeah, that, that's irrelevant right now. It's this problem, this problem. Focus on the problem. That's self-pity. Magnify the problem. But the thing is, the problem with that is that you cannot magnify God and the problem at the exact same time. You can't do that. And and more so, the problem is when you're magnifying the problem now in your mind, you perceive the problem as bigger than God. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, all over the world. Good morning. It is Monday here you. on Church Boy uh, Confessions. Uh. He will direct your path. So what's there to fear again? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Church Boy Confessions podcast. I'm your host, Emanuel Heke. Um, I have to first start off this episode by saying thank you so much for everybody who reached out this past week um, and just, you know, talking about, you know, last episode, Overcoming Sexual Sins. That, that was a big one. And I'm just happy that I think as, as many people that reached out and talked to me and all that different stuff, like, I think that that really shows that here on Associated, we're really creating a community of transparency and vulnerability. I think that shows a lot of maturity. I think that shows a lot of courage. And I think that those things are... Um, a necessity when it comes to wanting to break free from uh, sexual sin and all these different things that try to bring us down. So I thank you guys so much for the feedback. I thank you guys so much for being open with me. I am privileged to be in this position. I'm privileged to be God's vessel. Um, and I'm committed to continuing to allow the Holy Spirit to minister through me to you guys and to myself because it's happening simultaneously. Um, so thank you guys for hitting me up. I love it. Continue to hit me up. <laughs> uh, I don't want to sound desperate, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, I appreciate you guys so much. Um, so we're going to get right into this. I think I have a lot to cover. I don't know how long this episode is going to be. It could be shorter. We don't know. But today I want to talk about something that I think has changed my life. And it's something that I most recently, you know, in the past, I've noticed it a little bit. But most recently, I've really noticed it and have made the steps to um, combat it. And that is self-pity, ladies and gentlemen. Um, self-pity. And we're going to get to this. Um, self-pity is something that's very powerful and something that's very underrated and it's time that we approach it it's time that we acknowledge this thing that may be existing in our lives ultimately i want to set the premise that when you are serving god um sometimes god is going to call you so you journey through mountain peak to mountain peak right um that you know for the for the most part you're front and center, you're, you're in the front stage, you know what I'm saying? You got your, you, you know, God's blessing you. So then you're, so then you're blessing other people from all the blessings that God's giving you. And you got testimony after testimony. I got this job. I got that job. I got this much money. I got this much money. And I'm blessing other people with the things that bless me, you know, mountain peak to mountain peak, you know, for the most part, you're, you're, you're a bit comfortable. And some people are called to these positions, ladies and gentlemen, some people are, you know, there are people in the Bible who were never broke a day in their life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, not to say that they never had issues and they were never uncomfortable. But for the most part, you know, your position that God has called you to, your role that God has called you to is to be that example on the mountain peak from mountain peak. And you know what I'm saying? And it's like it's it's it looks really nice. And I think that most of the time that's what we think our life is going to be when we are called to serve Christ. That could be some of you guys is amen. Hey, great for you. That's the role you've been called to play. Amen. That's cool. Um, but some of us are called to journey through the valleys or, or shall I say wilderness, that's going to be more applicable to this, uh, lesson. And in the wilderness or in the valley, um, you know, 
you may not be front and stage. In fact, you might just be humiliated a lot of the times. A lot of times you're going to face perceived failures. Um, and a lot of times you're going to be very, very, very uncomfortable. And I think the, the best juxtaposition to set up is somebody like Paul compared to somebody like Solomon. Not to say that, you know, when you're on the mountain, you don't have no problems because, you know, there's a strategy to being able to navigate the mountain peaks, right? And there's also a different strategy that you need to have in order to navigate the valley, right? Um, and today, and specifically in this episode, we're going to talk about navigating the valley, navigating the wilderness, because there's an enemy that many of us are facing as we are navigating this wilderness um, that we don't give enough attention. In fact, the enemy so much befriends itself to us that we don't even recognize that it's an evil spirit we don't recognize that it is a trap we don't recognize that it is a pit and that enemy is self-pity so underrated but we need to avoid this trap self-pity is a trap this is the point of the show self-pity is a trap and we need to avoid this trap because this trap does very bad things to you it stops you it's there to stop you it's there to distance your relationship from god distance you from god that's what self-pity is there for um and I think it's funny because, you know, last week we we're talking about temptation and sexual sin. And I think that anytime we talk about temptation, we think we only think about sexual sin sometimes. Like the first thing somebody says is temptation, we think, oh, sexual sin, lust. But I would say that, you know, what I've noticed in my life as I've as the Holy Spirit has started to really communicate to me and, and help me to acknowledge how, how much I pity myself. Self-pity is a temptation, like you get tempted to feel sorry for yourself. Like everything is weighing down on you. You have all these problems in your life. And it's like, it's some people, I'll never forget that my, like, I don't think I was in like the, I was a sophomore or like I was, I was a junior in high school. And one of my teachers, not even a Christian at the time, I don't know if he's giving life to Christ now, but at this time he just said that, you know, there's two people in this world. There are people who use the troubles in their life and they use them as excuses. And then there's people who use those troubles in their life and use them as motivation. For a lot of times in my life, the troubles that I face, I use them as excuses. I pitied myself. I'm going through so many bad things at the same time. I'm pitying myself. And ultimately, when I pitied myself, it was funny because I was paralyzed. My problems would be magnified. My problems would be amplified in my perception. And I was paralyzed. I did not want to move forward. When I look at the definition of self-pity online, it said the excessive self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own trouble. And before I continue, uh, let me under let me just be very clear. The key word here is excessive, because I want you to understand that before we even go further, let me just set a disclaimer. There's a difference between pitying yourself, right, pitying yourself and um, and actually knowing that you need rest. There's a difference between that. There's a difference between pitying yourself and knowing that you need to rest. And I would say, this is Emmanuel talking. I haven't got to the Bible yet. This is Emmanuel talking. This is my opinion. That the difference is one of them recognized rest as a, a, a means to finishing the race, right? Nest, rest is a necessary thing that you need to do in order to finish the race. Rest is necessary. Whereas the other one, self-pity, recognizes rest as an escape from the race, but we children of God are not called to escape any race. We're called to finish this race of life, you know, and, and when we get to the end, we will receive our crown. When we get to the end, you know, Jesus is going to tell us, well done. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, that's our goal. Anything that makes us want to escape 
that tells us escaping this race is, is a good idea is not from our God. It's not from God. It's from spirits, but it's not of God. So what does that mean? It's demonic. Is demonic. You know why it's demonic? Is because self pity, right? Let me tell you the problem with self pity. Self pity is the thing that told the children of Israel when they're in the wilderness to go back to Egypt. That was the best thing to do. That's what that's what self pity was. Self pity was the thing that told Job that the best thing to do was to curse God and die. Self pity. Now you can see why self pity is an issue, right? Matter of fact, um, where's my I have a uh I have something to read. Very impromptu. <laughs> but I really, you know, I was really quickened to talk about this from a devotional I got in uh February. And I'm gonna read this first paragraph, okay? It said, Be on guard against the pit of self pity. When you are weary or unwell, this demonic trap is the greatest danger you face. Don't even go near the edge of the pit. Its edges crumble easily. And before you know it, you are on your way down. It is never it is ever so much harder to get out of the pit than to keep a safe distance from it. That is why I tell you to be on guard. I loved it. I loved it so much. It, it really made me to start examining myself honestly, um, and in the, different, in the different ways that I was affected by self-pity. But today, what we're going to talk about is the children of Israel, okay? Um, because I told you self-pity is what told the children of Israel as they are going towards this promised land that God told them he's going to deliver into their hands as they're going um, to this promised land. Self-pity told them to go back to Egypt. So I'm going to give you a backstory. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 14. And in this, in this time, you know, they've, they've, they faced war. They've they've gotten out of Egypt, and now they're approaching the promised land. They're on the perimeter of the promised land, and God tells Moses, "This is where the promised land is. Go send some spies to check out the land. You know what I'm saying? And like they'll they'll bring to you back back a report, right? Um, and there's multiple reports that were that were brought back, even though there should have only been one. People that go by the name of Caleb and Joshua came back. They were spies in the land. They came back and they said, this land is great. Like, just like God said. And yeah, there are people living there that we're going to have to go to war with. But surely we can overcome them because God is with us. That was basically the paraphrase of what Caleb and Joshua were saying. However, there was a second report. And this report was by the other spies. Um, and we're going to read that. And you're going to see what was wrong with it. And then you're going to see the reaction of the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 14, starting at verse, um, I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 13, starting at verse 31, and then we're going to go all the way to Numbers chapter 14, verse 5. All right, this is the second report from the other spies. It says, But the men that went up with him said, be not, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land... The, through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature and there we saw the giants the sons of anak which come which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers so we were in their sight okay um chapter 14 verse 1 and this is the reaction of the children of israel after seeing the, hearing the second report and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. 
And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, look at this, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And therefore hath the Lord brought us and wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain. The audacity. Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. May God bless the hearing and reading and the sending of his word. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. The children of Israel were not having it. They heard the good report. They heard they heard Caleb say that this is an amazing land that we can go in there. I've, I've preached on this before that we can go in there and we can, you know, we can overcome anything because God is with us. I mean, this is the land that God has promised them. So surely God will make a way. Right. Surely God will make a way for them to overcome any obstacle that they were facing in the wilderness or just like he did in the wilderness and, and, and now in the promised land. Surely. Right. But no, they heard the bad report. Nothing had even happened yet. But their reaction was self-pity. Oh, I'm tired of this. Oh, my gosh. Like, now we have to deal with this. Oh, this is too much. This is too much. And self-pity told them that the promised land is not the place to be. Self-pity told them that, no, 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 no. Let's go back to Egypt, where they were slaves. Where they were actual slaves, where they were just rescued from. And I think that when I read this, it's important to understand the dangers of self-pity because it makes you lose sight of three things. The first thing it makes you lose sight of is what God has done. Then it makes you lose sight of what God is capable of. And it also makes you lose sight of God's love. Let's start with the first one. Forgetting what God has done. That's what self-pity does. You ever, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That self-pity you feel, oh my gosh, I got this final, I got that final. Oh my God, now I got to do this for this club. Oh, I got to do this. I got to find a job. Oh, this job, they they pissing me off at this job, so on, so on, so on, so on. And you get to the point where it's just like, oh, you forget that it's God that brought you to that school. You forget that it's God that brought you to that job. You forget that it's job, oh, you, you just forget. You forget everything. And now you're paralyzed and you're in bed and you don't want to get up because you're tired. And you think that this is, you know what, I just need I just need to back away from everything. Self-pity makes you self-centered. It makes you self-centered. And as you're self-centered, you forget about God because you're not focused on him no more. And you're not you're not focused on the task anymore. You're talking you're thinking about yourself. Let's let's talk about what God had done for the children of Israel by now. All right. Now that they've reached the perimeter of this place. Think about all the things that, that God did for the children of Israel. He did. He literally did all the miracles by trying to that by not trying to by successfully rescuing them from Egypt. I mean, I'm talking there were things with frogs, everything with locusts, there were things with killing the firstborn, son, all that stuff. He did all that stuff on their behalf to free them from Egypt. That's one. He split the Red Sea. Literally, these are the same exact people who literally walked on dry land as the Red Sea splits, these are the same people, guys. Um, he gave them a cloud during the day because, you know, it was really hot. He gave them a pillar of fire during the night because it was really cold. And he even fed manna from above so they can eat. 
Another one I didn't even write down. He 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 gave them water from a rock so they can drink. These are the things that God has done, but none of it mattered at this moment to the children of Israel. Why? Because self-pity blinded them from all of it. It didn't matter. Self-pity's goal is to make you forget the things that God has done for you. Self-pity, look at this. Self-pity doesn't want you to magnify God. Self-pity wants you to magnify your problems. That's the goal. That's the goal of self-pity. Don't magnify God. Don't forget everything that God has done for you. Yeah, that, that's irrelevant right now. It's this problem, this problem. Focus on the problem. That's self-pity. Magnify the problem. But the thing is, the problem with that is that you cannot magnify God and the problem at the exact same time. You can't do that. And, and more so, the problem is when you're magnifying the problem now in your mind, you perceive the problem as bigger than God. Because you've magnified it. You've given your problems a magnifying glass. And now you can't even see God no more. He's somewhere back there or you don't even acknowledge him no more. He's probably not back there. You just don't even acknowledge him. And you just magnify your problems. Your problems, this is the biggest thing, is bigger than God. But the word of God tells us that greater is he in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he in us than he that is in the world. But you can't see that because you've been pitying yourself. You've been pitying yourself. You've been hit so many times and now the self-pity sets in, this trap sets in and makes you think that there's no way out of this. It makes you forget that God has brought you this far in the beginning. It makes you forget the miracles that God has, has done in your life. I hope that you have a testimony journal. I need a testimony journal. Start writing this stuff down. Because if you're not careful, self-pity is going to sneak in on the ne that next obstacle that you face and make you forget everything that God has ever done for you to this point. Make you forget all of it. Make you forget every single thing in that moment. Because self-pity makes you forget what God can do. Think about it. The children of Israel, they got to this place and they, and they say, oh, my gosh, what? These people that are there, they're, they're going to destroy us. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We're so weak. And they're talking. They're complaining about being weak. They're pitying their, themselves for being weak as if it was ever by their power or by their might that they got to this point in the first place. Just like you are complaining about I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not this. I'm not that. I don't know if I can do it as if. <laughs> You were the one is by your power, by your might that God has brought you to these things. No, you see how you're losing sight. You are losing sight of God because you don't magnify God anymore. You magnify your problems and you magnify yourself. You talk about, oh, I'm not sufficient. Yeah. Without God, you aren't sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So what does that tell you to do? Get closer to him. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse um, starting at verse nine and 10. Apostle Paul is even boasting of his weakness because he's having this conversation with God. It's verse starting at verse nine says, and he said unto me, God said unto him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities as the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
because it's not by my power, by my might. In fact, I welcome my weakness. I acknowledge my weakness. I'm excited about my weakness because now I recognize the space that God is going to fill to make me strong. So self-pity wants you to just focus on yourself and yourself is weak. That's the goal. Focus on yourself. Yourself is weak and, and disregard the fact that God is going to fill the rest of that, the rest of that, what you're lacking, the rest of that, what you what you what you don't have. Do you understand why we can't focus on ourselves? Do you understand why self-pity is so dangerous? Do you understand why it's a trap? Because for some reason, it makes you think that giving up and stopping is the right thing to do. It makes you think that staying in your bed all day is the right thing to do. When in actuality, it's a trap. It's like it's like it's bound your wrists and your legs to your bed so you will not get up. That's what it is. It convinces you that it's your friend. You've oh, you've been through so much. You, you don't deserve to go through this anymore. God is wrong. You're in disagreement with God. God is wrong. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't allow that to happen. So much so that now you even start to forget that God loves you because you have all these problems that you're enduring through your life. God must not love you. It's God's fault that you're in this in the, in the first place. What has God done for you? What is God? What is God even capable of? Oh, does God love you if he can let you go through stuff like this? Pitying yourself, pitying yourself and you stay in your bed all day pitying yourself so then you don't you don't give it your all anymore you start to live a mediocre lifestyle lackluster you don't give it your all anymore because you're tired and you think that you 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 think that you you've done enough and you pity yourself but romans chapter 8 starting at verse 35 tells us who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or pearl, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what the scripture says. You've been seeing yourself be persecuted and, 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 and facing all these tribulations and all this distress. And for whatever reason, you've thought that, oh, man, God must not love me. Where is God's love now? But the word of God tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Do understand that there are people that God loves dearly. Still to this day, every day. That suffer. Yep. Yep. People that God loves can still suffer. But rather than us understanding it and accepting that, we just think that, oh, well, then, then that means that God doesn't love us. As if we have the mind of God. As if we know what the orchestrator is thinking. As if we know. Because look here, it could be a million reasons why God didn't just give them some type of clear path to the promised land and just no no wars no nothing no it, it, i can't tell you why there's probably there's definitely reasons why i'm i can't tell you why for sure i can't tell you why i have ideas but i can't tell you why because i can't tell you why god has allowed you to suffer in every instance that you've ever suffered in your life well what i can tell you is that the word of god says that this suffering does not indicate whether god loves you or not in fact when you're chastised by god 
it shows that it shows that he does in fact love you that's what that's what i can tell you what i can tell you is that although we can face these things in life it does not separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord that's what the scripture says i believe the scripture maybe you don't but i do you forget you forget but don't be fooled don't be fooled he loves you he died for you while you were still a sinner before you even repented he died for you and he loves you he proved to you that he loved you before you even repented before you even knew who jesus christ was and now you want to question his love for you now now you've seen him do all these different things in your life and now when you when you reach this obstacle and you're tired oh well, i don't know if I, I don't know if God's capable of this. I don't know what God has done for me and so on and so on and so on. But let me tell you something. I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 4. We got scriptures today. This is Apostle Paul. Not that I speak in respect of once, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. When I'm in the valley, when I'm in the mountain peak, when I'm on the top and I'm in the front stage and when I'm being humiliated, when I'm comfortable er, and I'm uncomfortable, when I'm abounding and when I'm abased, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do not let self-pity make you forget that whether you were in the mountain or whether you were in the valley, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's how you defeat self-pity. By recognizing that you can do all things through Christ that has strengthened you. By remembering that, no, 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 no. You're not going to make me forget the things that God has done for me. I have my testimonies. By remembering what God is capable of and magnifying God as a, rather than magnifying your problems. Magnifying God so you can have confidence in his sovereignty as opposed to magnifying your problems and thinking that they're bigger than God. You get through self-pity by knowing, even when you can't see it, but knowing that God loves you no matter what. And God is not a liar. So, ladies and gentlemen, I promise you that if you come to understand the effects of self-pity and recognize these traps in your life and stay away from the pit just like the just like the devotional said your life will change my life has changed just in the past two weeks that i've gotten this started to get this message from the holy spirit my life has changed i get up and i'm i'm running them two miles like you feel me like i am putting that work in and i'm not halving everything like I'm, I'm it's really changed my life and it's really helped me to trust God more. It's really kept my eyes on Christ. And we know what happens when we take our eyes off Christ. Right. We begin to sink. Um, and maybe that's why you're sinking. Not because the problems are too hard for you, but because you've magnified those problems to be bigger than God. And you've been pitying yourself. And if that's you. Get up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for this word. Take glory, honor, and praise, Father. 
Um, I pray, Lord, for all of us that are pitying ourselves or that have pitied ourselves. God, help us, Lord, to know the difference between pitying ourselves and knowing that we need rest, Father God. And help us, Father God, to not look for any way of escape from this from this race, Father God, but to finish this race, to be determined to finish this race, to never lose sight of the things you've done, to never lose sight of what you're capable of and your sovereignty, and to never lose sight of your love, oh God. Help us to acknowledge these things every day of our lives, oh God. So when that trap, when that trap tries to come in our life, Father God, we recognize it and we go the other way. Let your name be glorified. And in this new, this new, this new season, this new, this new um, form that we're about to step into, Father God, of just, you know, no longer agreeing with self-pity, Father God, help us to even see the fruits, see the fruits of that, God. Let your name be glorified, Father. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. I love you guys. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Take these words. Take these words. Be, be real about it. Get up. Get up. Get up. Love you guys. Love you guys.